This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. For the last two weeks, we've been hearing about the Gyanvyapi Mosque controversy. Today, joining me is Aishwarya Ayer, a reporter with Scroll, who's actually been following the case quite closely and reporting on it. Thank you for joining us, Aishwarya. I know you're in the middle of like a bunch of things today, but you've taken our time <laughs> to come join us. So thank you so much. Um, so just to give you a little bit of context, nearly a year ago on April 18th, five women had filed a petition in the Varnasi Trial Court seeking permission to pray and conduct Hindu rituals at the Gyanvyapi Mosque where they said they had found on one wall, they had found the Shingar Gauri, right? And last month, the court in Varnasi appointed a survey commission to videograph parts of the mosque. And on May 16th, news became viral that they'd found a shivlink in the mosque complex, that in, in one part of the mosque premises. And so before we go into talking about the case itself, Aishwarya, I want to start by asking you, this entire case rests on the petition of five women. So can you tell us a little bit about who these five women are? Yeah, so they are five women, uh, four of them from Banaras and mm. one from Delhi. And this petition was filed last year, uh, formally admitted and all only in August 2021. Mm. Um, and within less than a year, they were able to achieve what previous petitioners were not able to. Which basically means that, so the Shingar Gauri uh, was prayed to uh, on Chait Navratri, the fourth day of Chait Navratri every year. Uh, there'd be an hour or two that these women, um, Shringar Gauri is, uh, is an incarnation of Parvati. Uh, it's basically an idol on the Western wall, uh, which can be seen. Uh, so, you know, right, a part of, like, it's pretty obvious that the mosque mm. was built on remnants of a temple. So, Shringar Gauri is prayed from, it's from the Chabutra, it's like the courtyard, the outside courtyard it used to be prayed uh, by the local women um, every once every year. So these women got to know each other through that time. Like they've known each other for over 10 years. They used to meet at bhajans and kirtans and uh, super religious people. So they do like this temple this day, this temple, this goddess this day for the Navratri, for Ram Navmi, all of that. So over the years, they got to know each other better and better. And um, eventually around 2020, 2021, they started discussing what they could do about it. Uh, if, you know, if they could uh, take this forward legally or not. And that's when they met. So Sita Sahu, uh, Manju Vyas and uh, Rekha Patak, these three became, spoke about it the most. And then they went and met Sohan Lal Arya, who is a former VHP leader. He's a senior VHP leader mm. who's filed a similar petition back in 1995 uh, to want a survey in the temple. The and same temple. It's the same temple. Right. It's the same uh, demand for the Shingar Gauri idol because the Shingar Gauri had become like what had happened was after the Babri Masjid demolition, the security around the mosque kept increasing hmm. because of which it became harder to go like the access to the Shingar Gauri idol hmm. um, was much easier and over a period of time it became harder and harder and the reason it became harder is because and this is admitted by the VHP leaders themselves hmm. that the that the these you know Khurafati he called them so these these people within the Hindu community would throw clay pots from the Kashi Vishwanath place into the mosque Right. Uh, to offer Shadhanjali. So over a period of time, this led to law, like obviously like tensions and law and order situations and the wall around the mosque kept going higher. The barricading kept increasing and the security kept increasing. Mm. Uh, even the mosque authorities actually gave up a part of their plot uh, after the ba uh, Babri Mas Masjid demolition to the local uh, law and order authorities to be able to 
create uh, sufficient security for themselves hmm. so this has been a long standing issue and what the women relate to is uh, nidhi is basically not being like you know we were being pushed around we were hmm. not given proper access only one hour like how is that fair to us shringar gauri is such a important idol for uh, god for like married women and for our husbands and stuff like that was there like any one incident which triggered it and and also during this entire time the shivling hasn't yet come up right like it's it's been... yeah not at all so if you if you if you see the older sohanlal arya expedition mm. it was it was clear shingar gauri as well as like and he'll say this in as many words and to look look for other known and unknown idols okay. in the mosque but in this petition it's restricted to shingar gauri however it's after the idol was uh, f- after the idol the shivling was allegedly found yeah. on the last day of the survey a day later if i'm not wrong 17th may uh, they moved a plea in court the four banaras women mm. uh, to also do like further investigation ki hum to shingar gauri ko dhoondne gaye the but baba mil gaye mm. but uh, what really unites all these women is like getting to know each other over the years and when they met sohan lal hmm. uh, arya who's a vhp leader who has a history of of filing these petitions in court uh that's when it it gained the form that it has today uh, it got the legal recognition and standing and and it, there's I, i won't shy away from saying that you know arya and the other men involved in this case of course saw that putting women in front mm. uh, would help their case they wanted to give that a shot because you know they they were the ones leading the case till now and it wasn't helping in what way did they think the women would make a better it would it because it's the goddess for married mm. women so married women led it uh local banarasi women led it there is a certain attraction to it in terms of media attention mm. and religiously it just so much more significant mm. and i think i mean also the assumption maybe that the courts are going to listen to women more than they're going to listen to men <laughs> but uh, but yeah so sohan lal arya uh, involved his wife lakshmi devi in okay. it and after that there is this whole thing because the petitioners have split so there's a fifth woman from delhi and you know like the commissioner split the judge was removed now yeah. the petitioners have split it's been extremely chaotic but how did the woman from delhi get involved uh, so there is this sangathan called mm. uh, rakhi singh right if her name is yeah correct. rakhi singh mm. called the vishva vedik sanathan sangh Hmm. and uh, the goal of which is for the their goal is hindu rashtra is it a big group um not really they okay. don't seem to have much of a following but uh, jitendra singh besain who is the head of the institution says that you know we don't need to tell people what kind of work we've done and all of that and the four so like manju vyas said in as many words that that jitendra singh who is the head of the vedik sang sangat sanatan sang he was very angry that his uh, his niece rakhi hmm. was not getting enough credit Hmm. So Manju said, like, if she wants credit, then she should be here. Like, she can't just sit in Delhi and not attend a hearing and hmm. get credit. And so on. Lal Arya, Lakshmi's uh, Lakshmi Devi's wife called the organization a fuzzy organization. So of course, it's. I mean, I, 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 yeah, like they all want credit. It's pretty obvious. Hmm. They. Um, So yeah, but these four women are are really holding it together, and it's not like Rakhi saying that like them splitting apart will have any impact on the case. On the case, yeah. It'll just mean different pleas by different lawyers. Right. So Rakhi Singh has a lawyer now, and the other four women have one lawyer representing. Correct. Her. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. What is it? the timing? Is kind of curious. Like why now? Why have they? Why is this an issue now? 
because from May sixth, when mm. the survey was ordered, mm. there have been tensions. So back in the nineteen eighty nineteen nineties, when they tried to order the survey, it couldn't happen. Mm. Um, and then the co- case was in cold storage for the longest time. Now, I mean, there are lots of legal questions involved, right? Because especially after the Ayodhya uh, mm. judgment, which mm. really re-emphasizes the Places of Worship Act nineteen ninety one, and really clarifies why that act is so essential, goes back to parliamentary debates. Um, you know, uh, to sort of really, really leave no doubt whatsoever right. uh, about the importance of the act uh, when mm. it comes to other places of religious worship, mm. because the act came when there was, you know, like the, where the Ram Janma Bhumi movement mm. was at its peak, mm. and the Rath Yatras were being organized, and in in eighty nine, like our Sevaks were shot at in UP, and now there was a BJP government in Uttar Pradesh. Yeah. So the government had to do something to ensure it doesn't blow out of proportion. Yeah. And uh, the Allahabad High Court judge, when he was listening to the matter, he actually said something which, which could have been widely uh, misinterpreted. Yeah. Um, he basically so the said, "The act basically to break it down says that any uh, monument, const- like any debate of the of you know who which monument belongs to whom, cannot be had anymore. And uh, Ram Janmabhoomi issue was the only exception." Uh, to that at that point yeah so the two important sections the Mm. one is section 3 which says that the importance of the act that under this law there can be no conversion of a place of worship of one religion to Mm. a place of worship of another religion Mm. is section 3 and section 4 states that it prohibits any legal cases uh, from being instituted regarding the ownership of a status of a place of worship that has been in existence since 15th August 1947. Right. So what what the problematic thing that um, Justice uh, Sharma had done, Justice D.V. Sharma of the Allahabad High Court, hmm. the judge had suggested that the law, 1991 Act, will not apply to cases where there was a dispute which had begun before 1991, hmm. thus allowing for more cases. Hmm. Uh, however, the, 19, uh, the Ayodhya judgment, Ayodhya Babri judgment, is extremely clear to say that you know, he was erroneous in his views. Yeah. Uh, it is essential for the secular fabric of the country, going back to parliamentary debates and upholding the law. And so, in a way, we have the judgment and then we have the Ayodhya judgment again, hmm. which really um, begs the question as to why the Banaras uh, Varanasi judge um, even allowed, allowed for, for the yeah. survey without, hmm. uh, d- without adjudicating on the maintainability of the suit. Uh, which is why it's great that, I mean, the Supreme Court has said that we haven't removed, transferred because, and it's not a comment on the capability of the judge, hmm. uh, but it's great that it's moved from that court to the senior most judge of the Varanasi court. And the hearing supposed to be tomorrow, which is the 26th of May. Um, and of course, it'll take a while uh, before there's more clarity on this. But first, now what is going to happen is you're going to decide the maintainability of the suit. Right. But the problem is the shivling has allegedly been found. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Now, once the shivling was found, what is it that both sides are claiming? It's, I mean, I, I was there for five days and um, the Muslims are really scared. Hmm. They are angry hmm. because um, they saw Babri go away and, and they feel like they've been humiliated and they've had to make compromises that they wouldn't have wanted to ideally. Hmm. And they see that judgment as unfair. Mm. I mean, it was it was it was shocking that there was no protest when the uh, Babri Masjid verdict came out. But you know, there was I remember doing a story then on how there were like like ten days of meetings yeah. uh, by the National Security Advisor with yeah. the Muslim representatives across India and like saints and mahants yeah. to sort of ensure that there was no communal violence in the yeah. aftermath of it. The difference also is that Babri is not a mosque that people would go to regularly. Mm and offer their prayers. So because of that, it's they don't have that 
that that bonding with the place mm. for Ayodhya uh, for uh, Banaras it's very different like people will say I went there with my grandfather mm. the local Hindus will say कि वहाँ पे शाका लगती है वो photo of the shaka behind um, and uh, were you there the day the shivling was found uh, the news broke basically no I was there after that hmm. I think seventeenth is when it was fo- found nineteenth I was there and yeah it was like it, I mean they were just they were really uh, scared uh, hmm. the Muslims but they're also very angry you know there's a very clear difference in the way the younger generation and the older generation approaches politics hmm. for the older generation it's more about you know sab theek ho jayega they've seen so much worse and they've seen things always get better hmm. so they feel like you know it'll be fine but for the younger generation amongst the Hindus and Muslims they are not uh, they're very taken in by the the I mean, where this country is headed in terms of polarization, mm. and they're angry, and they have strong opinions, and they want to do something about it. They just can't wait and watch, and you know. Uh, so, so yeah, amongst the Muslims, there's a lot of fear, and amongst Hindus, I mean, of you're course, in fact, doing a report on that, right? Yeah. So I've mm. done a story on 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 the on what the Muslims feel about it and how significant the. Gyanvapi Masjid is for them versus mm. the Babri Masjid because a not only is it a place they're emotionally attached to, mm. but it's also a place where, uh, you know, uh, it's it's also about their existence. It's about mm. the 1991 Act. It's about the Ayodhya Judgment. It's about what the Supreme Court has said uh, to uphold the secular. So it's about their identity. It's about their about existence. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah, it's mm. about feeling whether they're a part of the country or not. You're right. So. So that is for for that, but but now amongst the Hindus, which is a story I'm working on, is about so it's divided into the local Hindus, um, you know. So the so no businessman or trader will ever say that they want violence or mm. they want communal tension. So, mm. um, so that's what that that is the um, you know that's the bias they are guided by or that's their personal interest. Uh, but um, but the regular Hindus, they'll all say that they're they're very calm. They know this will happen. The state government is ours. The central government is ours. Um, the judiciary has been doing everything we want them to do. We don't have to worry. We can relax. Uh, if we need to worry, we will worry. We are not worried uh, about how we'll go about strategy. We know what we're going to do. Um, but let's wait. Yogi ji, sab theek kar denge. It's interesting you say this because actually yesterday I was on a cab on the way to office and I was just chatting with the Uber driver and he started this conversation. He said, "Oh, you're a journalist, so let me interview you for a change. What do you think about the uh, Gyanvapi controversy?" And uh, and in that conversation, he had sim- he said similar things that he said, uh, but one thing he expressed was the fact that. till now hindus have not fought and asked for our rights you know we've been very patient we've been very kind we've in our culture it's never been a part uh, fighting and violence has never been a part of our culture but now it's time to ask for our rights and fight for our rights is that a sentiment that's also there on ground that like if if by chance the verdict goes in the favor of muslims are the hindus going is there this you know sometimes when you're on ground before something happens you can sense this whole feeling of okay there's a preparation for something yeah, to go yeah. wrong it's extremely scary um, i mean the kind of things i've heard i i really i would really like to self censor hmm. because this these were not off the record conversations these were on record allowed to take their photo their designation um you know everything um and so so which was also very scary because of how normalized it is then mm. that you're willing to talk to a reporter who's come from delhi and works for a website yeah. you're willing to tell her these things generally generally when it's women they don't or mm. they'll say it on the condition of anonymity mm. but in banaras they were they were 
very brazen um, about um, the desire, uh, the desire to resort to violence hmm. if they need to. But but there's a calmness about it. There's like this the, is the younger generation. This is the younger generation. Hmm. Uh, they're very they're very certain that um, that what they want will happen, hmm. and if it doesn't, you know, they will resort. Uh, to violence and they're Islamophobic and they don't like the the the, the older people will not say ill about a Muslim mm. as openly as the younger Hindu generation would. So there's a lot of Islamophobia. There's a lot of uh, vi- like violent rhetoric against the Muslims. Mm. And uh, the difference is that instead of the Babri Masjid demolition where you had to climb on the mosque this time a bulldozer will reach Kyanabi. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are all these memes floating online and uh, yeah, so there is a certain like we've already won kind of expression amongst the right-wing Hindutva, younger supremacists. Like the Hindu Yuva Vahini is massive mm-hmm. in Banaras, in that area. Unka gadh hai. Like that, they are the most uh, significant ground root organization. And they're very, uh, they understand their relevance because of, of how close they are to um, Yogi Adityanath because their district chief who's called Bhola is very close to Yogi Adityanath. Like photos together and all of that. So they understand that their job is not only to be Hindu Gavani, but also bring all the Hindu Sangathans together. So they're doing that. Like anyone's allowed. Like there's no competition because they're above and beyond all this. And yeah. But is there a conversation between the older generation of Hindus and the younger generation of Hindus? Like is there any sort of negotiation happening there that okay, the older generation is advising younger generation to like take it easy, don't resort to violence? See, the thing is openly no Hindu will tell like a moderate liberal or older Hindu will tell a younger Hindu to, um, at least in my experience, will tell them to not resort to violence or whatever. Hmm. Uh, because um, because that's not the popular opinion to have. You know, you're not... like, And also it's not the need of the hour. Like, they don't think it's necessary. They think they've already won. This is something that has to happen. Hmm. Like, Babri sirf jhaki hai, kashi mathura baki hai, ek dhaka aur do, gyan vapi tor do. These are legitimate... These are things that they've grown up with. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not something that um, it's it, they'll come across as un- unpopular. Maybe they're having these conversations behind hmm. uh, closed doors. But uh, in front of me, it's pretty clear that ev- whoever you are, whether you're moderate or you're an extremist, you, your way of expressing your discontent might might differ. But everyone agrees that Gyan Vapi has to go, you know. And it so the, so the older lot will say it will go through the law. Or it will go through the courts, uh, and the younger lot will say, "We are waiting. We are we are waiting to get a signal, and we will do whatever we need to do." And you know, there's obviously an impunity that we can do whatever and get away with it. Hmm. Yeah. So, Ashwarya, your first report. Actually, before I move on to the reports, now that we've been talking about you know what you experienced on ground and the conversations you heard, I'm also curious. Uh, did your identity make a difference in you know the kind of conversations that you were privy to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was the first time in my reporting career that I uh, also felt a lot of um, reluctance from the Muslim community to speak to me. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. It was really, really new. Because um, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm. You're always aware, and there, there definitely were tensions in the area because. So there's the mosque, and about hundred meters away, there's the Dalmandi. market and that dalmandi market is a muslim dominated market mm. so if something happens there'll be 1000 people from there right there mm. uh, but it's a hindu dominated area so it's it's not i mean it's not like yeah the significant numbers on both sides mm. 
and when i went into dal mandi i remember one thing to uh, like there was a sufi bookstore so i was supposed to meet somebody but wo namaz padhne gaye the so i was i was waiting and uh, there was a sufi bookstore so I, i was very curious about the book so i went and tried to like ask the guy there were lots of books behind him so i tried to ask him if he could show me a few of them and he said hum we don't have books so i was like okay I would walk away and then I started <laughs> noticing like everybody's staring at me hmm. and but I didn't have any orange on me but I had a bindi hmm. but I'm a woman so like like and then I'd want to talk to like locals and and they'd be like aap kahan se hain aap yahan kyu aayi hain so then I was like just wait for the guy to come and then when he came this this guy said Najmuddin who's in the story as well he said if you hadn't come with him I would have not answered you in the straight way that I am but i said no but you then you talk to me right like you'd ask me like this is the first time that i had to spend i mean this was one extreme case but even the other cases of speaking to muslims i had to spend half an hour just talking to them about my personal life just talking to them about where i come from what is the kind of work i've done what organization i work for um you know was it a more distrust with uh, i mean we know now on ground that people have serious uh, suspicions of news organizations right they always want to know which side you're leaning what channel you work for so do you think it was more a distrust with what kind of a reporter you are or was it also to do with the fact that you know you were a hindu and you probably won't understand it was a combination of of being a hindu and also there there's a lot of distrust against the media at large yeah i didn't see that like at least at farmers protest they'll see okay you're from this organization mm. and let you in or out here they didn't care if you were from a quint or a scroll like they mm. didn't care Hmm. they really really at least at dal mandi they really really wanted to see who you were as a human being hmm. um you know before they before they did you know before they spoke to you or decided to open up to you so i would have to keep like ek to asking like first talking to women i was i had to ask all the men to leave the courtyard hmm. and i had to say this is who i am and this is how old i am and tell them a little bit about my personal life and you know things like that so that they could relate to the person hmm. i was more um you know and and yeah but i've never had i've never i've never felt uh, so conscious while being while speaking uh, to muslims and i think in banaras particularly it's because i mean this is of course only for banaras but this is particularly about how um, you know how the media has has you not been fair to them or not reported accurately for example the whole thing about them finding a shivling inside mm. i mean the, the the fact is that the court ruled the sealing of the shivling without seeing the court appointed commissioner's report yeah. without having anything solid in court records in terms of evidence hmm. to decide to seal and alter a place of worship you know and how it exists and how it functions and and that was extremely problematic but it was a really simple thing to do hmm. which is when so i did that but from that, delhi i mean i was going to ask you that and for for people there that was indicative already of courts picking a side Yeah 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 so mm. they have no they have no mm. they had no trust in that judge at mm. all yeah but like the like the muslim is so cautious especially in up because you're afraid of fires and you're afraid of a bulldozer mm. um that you will really really you know exhaust all options mm. i mean some of them said they're willing to leave the country too which is really 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 sad mm. um and uh, yeah so you know so the fact that the fact that the local reporters were mm. not reporting about this massive issue that the lawyers were willing to tell me on a phone from banaras mm. um and we sitting in delhi pointed that simple thing out like even like news organizations were not were not picking on this 
really important distinction because that was the that I mean eventually that story was the argument by the senior advocate Hamidi in court hmm. uh, the next day that how can you know isn't this unfair isn't this court behaving in an unfair way which eventually led to the case moving out of that court hmm. but um, so so they're very so I had to tell them I had to show them my story I had to say this is what I did I wasn't even here so you had to do these things. uh you know to speak about my other experiences of reporting on riots to tell them that you know that i do this for a living and and i understand where you guys are coming from i understand the angst i understand the frustration i'm here to answer hmm. but don't get upset because all the local reporters would t- would tell me how did you go to dal mandi how did you go alone you know this is what happened with us this is what happened with us nobody speaks to us so uh, i mean i realized that after going to dal mandi but uh, but for me yeah then then i could go like more uh, freely but it took me like after 20 minutes of being there that oh i'm being looked at i i mean i'm used to like hindu or hinduta right wing organizations you know looking at my card and wondering what is she going to write and you know like judging and did you face the same thing when you were speaking to hindus there because uh, yeah they're all very guarded this is not yeah. karoli like in karoli uh, i mean the i was talking to people who were on, who were on the run um, you know who were involved in the violence and they were not willing to share their identities but but it took a long time to even get them to really be like okay you know we like for that i had to say i had to say listen you let's not waste each other's time but i was confident enough to pull that off i had to be like and i was alone of course so listen um i don't want to waste your time and if you want to tell me the truth tell me the truth i know you think i'm from delhi and i'm a girl and maybe you don't want to tell me the truth but please let's not it's very hot and mm-hmm. i think both of us <laughs> rather be in the comfort of our rooms so let's just you know wrap it up if you guys have nothing real to say mm-hmm. and then they were like okay and then they started being a little more honest and a little more honest and the conversation went on for much longer because mm-hmm. they were willing to be more honest with me mm-hmm. did they also have questions for you here about what like what you think which angle you would write Uh, I mean, they were very curious about the organization I work for. Mm. I was worried in the middle if they were googling me. Mm. Uh, Did they like a lot of times? They lo- I've had experiences where they're like, "Ab bhi Hindu hai, ab kya mante?" No, no, no. They didn't do that. Mm. Uh, they didn't do that because, see, as a reporter, you know that my job is to is to report the most problematic thoughts that these people have, mm. and and with with utmost objectivity. So I'm not there to debate. I'm not so what I'm able to do um at, at least in this case and every case is different depending on the kind of personalities you meet uh it's not like like the right wing is can be painted with one brush but um in this case it wasn't so much about um you know it wasn't it, it they were taken in by the fact that I looked like a hindu mm. uh and uh, and I was not like counter questioning them uh which i know that they complained for another reporter that she was counter questioning them so i got a call from banaras even after i came back saying who is this girl from this organization hmm. and i was like okay okay relax talk to her she's she's legitimate uh, please do but that girl and them they seems they had an argument hmm. uh, but with me it was just uh, it was just listening to what they were saying and hmm. seeing them get more and more comfortable and say more and more dangerous things hmm. Now on um, on May seventh, right? The survey commissioners who were supposed to videograph the mosque, they were going towards the mosque, and at that point, I think there was quite a lot of chaos outside as well. And this is the time when Muhammad Abdul Salim was picked up, and you did a ground report. You met his family. So first, can you lay out like a bit of context on how did he get picked up, and on what context? Sure. Uh, this is a Saturday, if I'm not wrong. and he is uh, so yeah so all the lo- locals are very curious that why is the survey happening you know like 
uh, they're, they're also very worried that they lose access to this mosque. So because of that, there are a larger number of people ever since the 6th of May going to pray in the, in, in Gyanwapi. Hmm. And um, yeah, because there's curiosity, they see an injustice, they want to be there, solidarity, all of that. Hmm. So he was one of them. He was a daily and wage worker. And there's also like police presence outside the mosque. Since the 6th of May. Right. Yeah, like mm-hmm. heightened police. There's always police presence in that area. Uh, if anyone's been to Kashi Vishwanath and Gyanwapi before, you'll re- relate to that. There's, it's, it's, there's a lot of security, but there's heightened security now. Hmm. And uh, yeah, there's security. And, and so like when the survey would go inside, like in, this time they had not stepped inside. They were doing a survey of the area around the compound. And when they were doing that, like the locals or they themselves will say Har Har Mahadev, Har Har Mahadev. Hmm. So, and and that happens a lot. I mean, saying Har Har Mahadev in Banaras is not like, is not necessarily an act of aggression. Hmm. Um, but it was happening with a court-appointed survey. So a lot of locals were like, why is this happening? If it's a court-appointed survey, why does it need to have any kind of sloganeering involved with it? Hmm. And even if there is the police or the court commissioners themselves should not allow for this to happen. Hmm. Um, so that way there was a lot of like unrest uh, about the show of strength and all of that that was happening in the area and uh, yeah and they also uh, like the the word regarding the the main commissioner Ajay Kumar Mishra being biased or not behaving professionally spread very fast through the committee members and into the community do we know what was his bias like what was he so when I spoke to the mosque committee members they said that his mannerism was problematic it's not like he has done things in the past that necessarily point to a problematic profile but um, he is um, yeah he was seen as someone who was like you know like fiddling with a lot of things Hmm. making a lot of crass remarks uh, not being respectable to the people Uh, yeah the way he was going about his business was what they didn't like and uh, they wanted him changed but of course the court didn't allow for that then only to sack him uh, about a week to 10 days later uh, but yeah it was so it was so in in that context so the so the community is talking about how they don't like this commissioner and then there's Har Har Mahadev happening there's heightened security they can't understand why the survey was even you know allowed in the first place in all of that there were a couple of people who allegedly chanted provocative slogans. And the reason our story doesn't say what the provocative slogan is is because the police FIR doesn't state what the provocative slogan is. Is because I have not seen a video of him raising a slogan. Uh, so I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, say anything. And you're talking about a minority community. So you can't, you know, you can't assume. So yeah, so so I don't know what he particularly said because he's the only named person in the FIR. Hmm. So So making any assumptions would be problematic. But yeah, he was picked up at the spot. Uh, there were allegedly five, six other people who uh, left and he was raising a religious uh, Islamic slogan according to um, the police, but they don't tell us, provocative slogan, but they don't tell us what it was. And he was picked up and as soon as he was picked up, he kept saying, galti ho gai, galti ho gai, galti ho gai. And, um, and yeah, he's been in jail ever since. Today is the 25th of May. There've so been... who is Mohammed Abdul Salim? Like where does he come from? Who he's is a he? daily wage worker, hmm. originally from Chandoli. Uh, which is very close to Banaras and uh, they moved to Banaras to look for work. Hmm. Uh, he lives in a home, uh, in a one room, uh, which has, which is extremely, so it's, a, it's like made of bricks. Um, the, there's no, there's no flooring, there's mud everywhere and the bathroom doesn't have a door. It's open. Um, the kitchen has like saris on top as a roof hmm. stitched together. Uh, the floor has holes where rats pop in and out. Uh, which I saw a few times myself. Uh, there's no light inside. 500 rupee rent. Mm. A family's not been able to pay it. The landlord is trying to evict them. He has a wife 
who wasn't speaking much um because of of course she's she she hasn't seen a copy of the FIR she doesn't know what to really do she only went to meet him and he was crying profusely so she's feeling really scared they have four sons together uh the eldest is 14 15 he's working in the local sari shop he makes a bit little money the other three are too little uh, seven eight nine 10 11 i mean they don't know their age for sure mm. um Yeah so he's a really poor guy who's who some locals are trying to help um and of course he's been booked under sections like writing mm. and common intention but um, he's the only one who's been picked up he's the only one from a crowd of people from a crowd of people yes mm. uh, the police says the other others ran away and they've also said arresting him was important to maintain law and order do the people on ground see his arrest as a message being sent out or? yeah yeah they're very uh, they i mean they think it's 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 basically a warning Mm. that if you try to mess up if you try to raise your voice if you try to protest in any way we are going to pick you up and we're going to put you in jail but you also said the sloganeering was happening from both sides exactly so this whole yeah that's the context right there is mm. a code appointed commissioner there's heightened security there's har har mahadev um and for a couple of muslims and from their vantage point it is you know losing another mosque probably yeah um to a to a regime that is that that openly makes Um, yeah. problematic statements that you know threaten the very existence of the community in uttar pradesh and in that context for them to raise a few slogans i and then for them the man to be arrested on the 7th of may and it's the 25th today and he's still in jail uh, he has another bail hearing tomorrow yeah. uh, and the lawyer keeps telling me and, and you know so you you get a hindu lawyer so you so you you know you have a better chance with the judge uh the hindu lawyer has not been able to do much he was very convinced when i met him that he will get bail on the 21st but he did not so three times now three bail hearings and it's but on under what grounds the first hearing charges too severe will not uh, give bail hmm. and also the police had not come up with the criminal history one hearing later criminal history still not properly submitted um you know questions being raised case diary is not complete hmm. things like that um one hearing there was a local strike of lawyers so there was no hearing that happened so three hearings have gone by and uh, and yeah and, and the local muslim community is definitely looking at this case because they know that you know um again there was no local reporting on this man i was the first person to meet his family mm-hmm. so i understand why the me- why they are so suspicious of the media yeah because why is this girl interested in meeting them is she trying to frame them but you really have to go like like in circles to get them to really talk to you. So yeah, so his arrest has has scared the community. It's basically shown them that you can't really protest, you can't do much about it and they're also like okay, they're also happy with the Supreme Court's intervention. They're happy that their that alternative arrangements for Razu have been made, which is a purification process you do before offering namaz. Uh that access to the mosque is, you know, it's not limited to any number. They can go in and out as they please. Um and of course they're worried. They're worried about you know these additional pleas being filed. not only in banaras but in other courts of of uttar pradesh now delhi karnataka uh, by the same set of lawyers vishnu shankar jain hari shankar jain which will be in our stories now but uh, but yeah um, they're very they're very on guard but they they're glad that the case has moved to the senior most judge and they're hoping that this maintainability suit regarding the 1991 act and the yodhya judgment and whether this case should even be like the survey in itself was it legal or not so they're hoping that 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 would um, change things so so far we are on where it's the 25th you have like three reports out you have another three in the pipeline right yes. so by the time this podcast is out it should be out 
and you were telling me one of the uh, reports is actually about the ecological impact the environment and cultural impact that this is going to have can you give us a brief about it and we'll also link the story under the um, link of this podcast so you can look up the story in more detail yeah so the mahanda of the sankat mochan uh, temple is this man called vishwambhar nath mishra who has a sankat mochan foundation that looks uh, that monitors the the you know the quality of water the flow of water and various other aspects uh, of the river and he has said that the 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 construction uh and uh, this is the environmental aspect of course the construction around the temple is as such that you know there's a there's a open entrance from the ghats where they want like some kind of helipad and all that construction has obstructed the flow of the water which will lead, lead to an increased amount of silting in one area and also because of this of this um you know platform that has that goes into the river till the ground um means that the amount of water that will flow in that area all of a sudden the, the place narrows down so there is a, a fast gush of water the speed of the water increases there because there's only so much space so when you do that a lot of the water stays on the left because you know and it doesn't move so the natural process of the water moving and the desilting that happens it that's going to be a big problem they'll have to spend a lot of money to ensure that on the bottom like you know uh, the the uh, the bank doesn't keep rising mm. or the dust uh, the um, sand and other things don't keep accumulating there and at the same time with the gush of the water increasing on the other end they're worried that that will have an impact on the other ghats on the other side so mm. if there's monsoon or there's an increase with with climate change you really don't know what will happen uh, those ghats will start like falling apart or the water that hits that ghat will keep increasing the level levels of the water also the the way the, the it's a c shape uh, in that area uh, of the ghats of the the shape of the of the flow of the river that he's also saying will change which has not changed for centuries and centuries the the way the water flows it will change um so these are the environmental aspects and the cultural aspect of it of course is that you know banaras is known as a city of of the of streets ya aap banaras mein gali gali ghumte hain aur aap bhagwan ko dhoondte hain you know that is how it's always been and banaras is a city over a city over a city over a city so for him it's not surprising that you found a shivling anywhere because you can find a shivling everywhere in banaras it's shiv ki nagri you know so in that context it's what the government has done is they've made a business of the religion uh, they've taken away the character of of kashi uh, they've tried to make it a tourist spot now people are not like a lot of these idols that were there around the kashi vishwanath are mentioned in the skanda purana and other puranas and vedas and uh, there are a lot of these you know these uh, rituals that you take there certain like rounds you have to take parikramas and this and that all of that is changed hmm. so now you are not going to um, you know as a as a religious person you're not going to banaras and find those uh, ways anymore you're 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 going to have to just go through the corridor and come out and whatever you know it's it's pretty and it's clean and they look at the building but they won't be looking at uh, the religious or the or the faith aspect of it anymore which he says and he also he said that, that the last thing he said was about how you know like a lot of people were paid handsomely for mm. their homes mm. like crores of money mm. um 
and lots of people are expecting to get shops inside the Kashi Vishwanath corridor hmm. who didn't own the land but they paid rent to the Vyas family and the rent was like 100 rupees a month 250 rupees a month so um you know so there's a lot of uncertainty amongst the people and there is a displacement of identity because you were born in a certain place you lived in a certain place and now you're moved out you've got all this money you you've made a home somewhere else or you've bought a flat somewhere else but that connection with your locals and your neighbors and all of that has sort of you know completely vanished so he says that this is a massive break in the continuity of kashi as this as this historic city hmm. um you know you've you've altered everything like you could go from this from lalita ghat uh, banaras is varuna and assi so banaras is the area between varuna ghat and assi ghat so between the two ghats you could go to the other area through the streets but because hmm. of this corridor you can't do that anymore so a lot of those cultural aspects which only a person who lives in banaras hmm. will really truly appreciate hmm. uh have have been lost forever you know finally i want to ask you uh, a lot of times when these when issues like this come up where a judgment is going to decide the future of a community and their sense of identity and belonging in many ways um before the judgment comes out also people on ground start offering solutions of what might be what might be something that they would ideally want right in a situation like this is that happening or has it become more of a do or die like is it like no we have to have it our way or is there like even among older people is there a conversation of like okay now that this has happened maybe what we can do is allow this or allow that or make exceptions like has that conversation emerged at all in any form no because i don't think the conversation exists mm. the fact is that the hindus are in majority and they see a government that will do what they want and it'll it'll not only uh, not only tell them that their aspirations of wanting a temple in that area are correct but they will achieve it for them so there is no conversation there is no debate uh, there is no Uh, understanding the other side at all uh, and the media has played a very important role in in not reporting on certain very unethical aspects or even like human interest story, stories like you know abdul uh, mohammad abdul uh, salim's arrest mm. you know they're not doing any of that so they're only heightening what one side's wants and feels mm. so the need for that debate doesn't exist at all um, which is very very scary and it's very clear amongst the petitioners the women the people that kashi and mathura will happen and there are then there are dreams that then there'll be a corridor between the three you know mm. there'll be like a these three will become another tourist spot for up and you know whatever there'll be dharm trips and pilgrimage trips from between these three areas uh, and and where does yogi adityanath feature in all of this i know arnab uh, from scroll also has done a brilliant report on how yogi is probably fashioning himself to be a little more moderate but with a certain clear understanding of what people on ground already believe about him and his intentions um uh, how is he featuring in this context like what are, what are people saying uh, so the hindus are can see that he's changed the hmm. way he talks but they don't uh, question or uh, question his um hindutva credentials like they are not like oh my god what's happened to him and why isn't he speaking on the mosque and mm. they know why he's not speaking on the mosque because he is readying to become prime minister um so there is a certain support there is a tacit approval of his change in tactic they have no problem um and with the muslims they can see through it they have seen atal bihari vajpayee make controversial statements and then back off to being secular lk advani uh, modi post kodra riots to now and now they see it in yogi so they see it as a pattern within the bjp mm. whoever is being elevated to become prime minister tones down there 
communal rhetoric. So they're seeing a yogi do that and they're very excited that their, that their chief minister will become prime minister one day. Um, for the Hindus, of course. For the Muslims, they can see through it. They know on the ground there is no difference in the way that they will be treated. Um, you know, uh, yeah, like... They they know that he's readying to become prime minister, so there is no like there's no like oh wow he's taking photos with hijabi Muslim women hmm. and you know his sentiment towards Muslims has changed. There is no one's falling for any of that. All this is just PR uh, and uh, and readying him for the for the post of the prime minister. Hmm. Yeah. All right, Aishwarya, thank you so much for joining us today and having this conversation. And listeners, Thanks, if you're uh, listening to our podcast on Apple Stitcher or any other podcast platform, please know that we have our own podcast player on our website. Um, and you can sift between different topics as you go through our podcast player. So, Aishwarya, before I let you go, yeah. I really want to know if you have anything you want to recommend for our listeners to read, watch or listen to this week. Yeah, so something like um, something nice and happy and romantic and funny to watch is this uh, series on Netflix called Lovesick. <laughs> it's extremely funny. It's a British comedy and it's about friends. And don't go by the name Lovesick. I know it sounds really cheesy, but give it a shot. Yeah, it's... she recommended this for me when I was down with COVID like two weeks and ago. And did you watch it? I watched half and then I got a little bored. But... Oh my God, don't not listen to Nidhi. <laughs> <laughs> Please give uh, Lovesick a shot. It's, 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 it's hilarious and it's easy breezy. And other than that, to read, um, there's a piece by Sushant Singh for The Caravan uh, called The Tour of Duty Model Could Add to Majoritarian Violence and Affect Army Efficiency. It's an extremely interesting piece that will uh, help you pause and step back and look at what's happening in the country. Right. So I uh, want to recommend two things this week. Uh, I watched a brilliant, brilliant movie. I think you'll also really like it, Aishwarya. It's called, uh, it's actually called The Worst Person in the World. It's a Norwegian film and it follows a young woman from like the age of 25 to when she's early 30s. And she's just completely, you know, going through different career uh, dilemmas and like, you know, confusions with her own relationships with men and everything. And each time she makes a decision for herself, she feels like the worst person in the world. She feels like she's like hurting a lot of people hmm. around and, you know, taking a decision that's very selfish. Hmm. But brilliantly done movies, a Norwegian film, and um, it's really, really good. It's streaming on Mubi. Uh, and the other thing I want to recommend is uh, a book by Tara Westover called Educated. Um, what is like, I haven't read a book that's like gripped me that much for a really long time. It's again about this girl who grew up in what they call a survivalist family where the parents didn't believe in the government and believe in education or medicine or any of that. And they grew up in this really rural area in, in the US. And they were very right wing and conservative. Uh, but so she never she was homeschooled throughout and then she comes out and she joins college for the first time. And then she goes on now. She has a PhD from Cambridge and it's it's her journey is quite like intense because she also had a lot of what we call domestic violence and abuse at home, which is very normalized. But uh, even in the book, she never calls it abuse. And she's constantly going back into like how she loves her family, but the choice to leave doesn't define how she feels about her family and all the lack of love. So it's really beautifully written. It's a memoir. It's a true story. So mm. I found it quite amazing. And I've only been like watching her talks after that. Uh, so those are two of my recommendations and uh, that's it for today's podcast. Once again, thanks Aishwarya for joining us. Always lovely to have you at News Laundry. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. 
catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.